0: Today's episode of the RomaPress.us podcast is brought to you by EuroFantasyLeague.com. For the best in online fantasy football, check out EuroFantasyLeague.com to get started and see if you have what it takes to challenge the best Serie Premier League, or La Liga fantasy managers.
1: Cerca di contrastarlo Juan con Jesus. Il tocco di Esharawi. Cerca il colpo di tacco. Attenzione Naingolan. Riesce a mantenere il possesso di palla. Palla sulla destra verso Bruno Perez. Avanza Samir davanti a lui. Ancora Bruno Perez. Cerca spazio. Il tocco arretrato è per Strottmann. Lancia in aria di rigore. per Naingolan tira
0: Welcome
1: to the Roma Press Podcast, with John Solano.
0: Hello again, welcome to another edition of the Roma Press Podcast. I am romapress.us editor, John Solano. And we are now under 24 hours away from the showdown against Liverpool. Are you nervous yet? Are you still breathing? Um, I've got to say, out of all the big matches that the Roma have had, geez, over the last decade, maybe more, I have to say this is (laughs) the one that I am oddly the most anxious about. Um, I think the last time I had this sort of angst, in anticipation of a match was, gosh, um, uh, maybe against Real Madrid at, at the Bernabéu um, during uh, Spalletti's uh, first tenure at the club. I, I mean, other than that, um, I, I can't distinctively say that there has ever been. A moment where I've just been so nervous, so scatterbrained, where it's difficult to think. Um, I'm currently in Italy in, uh, at the moment. And while I'm not in Rome, uh, you can certainly feel the anticipation. You can, I mean, it's all over the newspapers here. La Gazzetta dello Sport, even um, the more local newspapers where I am right now in Veneto. Um You know, just uh, the stakes are just so high at this point that um, it's crazy to think that Roma, our Roma, uh, the team that we all love and followed, who have sort of um, always been the bridesmaids, but not the bride, that this is their opportunity. All eyes are on them. This stage is set for them. Um, It's still taking me quite a bit of time to process that I I have to be honest it's you know not something that I anticipated I did not think to be completely frank with you with the state of football with um, where Roma are relative um, just in terms of um, uh, money revenue capital whatever you want to however you want to classify it where they stand relative to some of the giants, your Bayerns, your uh, cities, your Uniteds, your Real Madrid's, your Barcelona's, your PSG's, um, even the likes of Chelsea, Juve. um, Roma are just so far off from those clubs. Um, And to be at this point is, I've gotta be honest, very, very, very gratifying, it's very surreal. Um, so I'm trying to stay very even keeled. I'm not trying to get ahead of myself. I'm trying to uh, stay calm, which is very, very difficult to do. Um, I am very excited for tomorrow's match. Very, very excited. Um, we're going to be joined later in the podcast by, um, uh, freelance English journalist, Kristen Hennage, uh, and he's going to be. Doing a little bit of a preview with me, um, you can find him all over the place. He writes for Four Four Two, Unibet. Um, he's appeared on CNN, and his Twitter handle is K Hennage, and that's K H E N, E A G E. He's a great guy. Um, you know, he and I have um, we've known each other for for a little bit. We've um, we've gone back and forth a number of times. Uh, but this will be his first time on the podcast, so really looking forward to his insight. Um, obviously, with him uh, being based there uh, in the UK, he's certainly going to be able to provide us with a perspective on Liverpool that I mean, listen, we can watch all the highlights that we want, um, but as I've been advocating, um, I'm, you know, anyone who's followed me on Twitter, I'm, I'm sure you saw the uh, the little parlay I, I got in with a couple of English journalists who. We're wrongly pontificating on on Roma. Um, I'm not a big fan of, uh, you know, obviously making assumptions, looking at highlights, uh, simply looking at the scores. For me, to get a true feel, to understand the true identity of an opponent, you have to have watched them consistently, which is why, um, I mean, listen, it it happens in the Italian press, Spanish press, English press, French press. Um, you know, when you're playing a team from abroad, you know, odds are you're not going to get great analysis. And I've seen that from Italian journalists giving an analysis on Liverpool. I've seen that with um, English sides giving the analysis on Roma that has been, <laughs> frankly, pretty, pretty bad. So um, we're going to talk to Kristen, he's going to be able to give us a, a little more perspective again on Liverpool. Um, and give us his opinions on how he sees this tie sorting out. Um, for me, just my opinion before Christian joins us here. Um, I I really hope DiFranchesco does not take too many risks in the first leg at Anfield. Uh, listen, historic stadium, uh, fantastic fans. And... Um, European night, uh, tensions are going to be running very high. So I don't want De Francesco to set the side up to make a mistake. I do not think, and I don't want to tempt fate, but I don't think we can afford another 4-1 first leg. I, I, I just don't. Um, now 3-1, uh, not a bad result in my opinion. Because I think anything can happen in that second leg in Rome. I really do. So. Not that I want Di Francesco to set the side up to be timid. I just don't want them to take any unnecessary risks. For me, one area of the pitch where I think Roma can really, really have their say is in the midfield. Um, you know, Dardasi, his form has just been sensational. We've seen nine Golan, His levels have been sort of raised over the last month. He's still far off from where he was last season, but. He's getting there. Um, so, uh, you know, again, that's one area of the pitch where I think that Roma could really look to exploit from uh, the English side, but we're going to have to see. Um, I'm curious to see how Di Francesco will set the side up. Will he go with three at the back like he did in the second leg against uh, Barcelona? Will he go with his preferred, preferred 4-3-3? Could we even see a 4-2-3-1 with uh, Playing as a ten, I don't know. Um, uh, y- you know the tactics of this match, the the, the inner workings of it. I, I, I just find to be fascinating because Roma have so many options at their disposal. Um, I mean, we all, you know, we all know the the vaunted vol- Liverpool attack, their ability, their speed, what they can do. Um, you know, they they they're very very strong. So, I, I really hope again that uh, Di Francesco set si- sets his side up to be balanced, uh, not to be set up to make a careless mistake, because at this level, at this stage of the competition, the margin for error is just so, so little that you can't afford, I mean, one mistake could cost you the tie. Uh, that's football, uh, particularly in the latter stages of the Champions League. So. Again, really hope Di Francesco does his side a favor, keeps them balanced, keeps them organized. Um, but again, we'll uh, we'll just have to see. Um, but now I would like to. We're gonna bring Kristen on. Uh, we're going to discuss Liverpool, and he is also very well uh, well versed on Roma. Uh, again, he and I have been going back and forth quite a bit, uh, and he certainly knows his stuff. So again. Um uh, again this is Kristen hennage You can find him on Twitter at K-H-E-N-E-A-G-E. And with me now is Kristen Hennage. Kristen, thanks so much for joining us. How are you?
1: I'm really good, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. Thank you for joining us. Um so Obviously, we've got the big tie tomorrow between Roma, Liverpool, and the first leg at Anfield. Um, you know, there's there's been a lot of talk of Liverpool's attack. Um, I, I think quite a bit of unfamiliarity, maybe, in, from an English standpoint as to who Roma are. Um, but from a Liverpool standpoint, um, they, they seem to be the favorites coming into this. However, which area of the pitch do you think that that Roma could most exploit from Klopp's side?
1: I think that's a a really good question because we talk about how strong the attack is. I think the midfield has gained harmony. I think actually the defense in in the wake of Virgil van Dijk joining the team has improved as well. I think it's gained a a sort of leader and an organizer, which it, it lacked at times. The the one thing that jumped out to me when you asked the question was potentially fullback. Now, it's slightly dependent on who plays, because I think Andy Robertson has been very um, consistent for for Liverpool since joining from Hull, who obviously are not renowned for for producing top quality players. Um, I think if it's Trent Alexander-Arnold, we have seen in the Premier League that he is susceptible to, to very quick runners and people that run inside. And Wilfred Zaha did it really expertly. Um, when when they played Palace, so I think there's a potential for for trouble there. I I think that overall it, you have to look at, at maybe Liverpool from from set pieces. I think you want to isolate a player. I appreciate that, and and you know uh, even a, a, a an aspect of the team. But for me, I look at even the weekend. Granted, there was three of the the starting back four out, but they do just look like a team not really well suited to, to guarding set pieces. And I say that knowing that I have the, the header from Manolas kind of still reverberating around (laughs) my head from, from just, uh, just last time out.
0: Sure. Um, So uh, that was sort of my opinion as well. Uh, Certainly. I I think the defense um, is certainly an area that Roma could look to exploit. Now, sort of the reverse side of that, um, I, I assume you'll, you'll go with the attack in this regard, but where do you think Roma will have to be, um, they'll have to really be up for it? Um, certainly, my again, my biggest concern is Roma's defense. Is that where you think, uh, particularly with Liverpool's attack, where they could definitely, um, it's like quite a bit of damage on Roma?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think obviously you and I have, have spoken about Roma's weaknesses and, and frailties and the fact that when teams clog up um, that final third, it's, it tends to be um, quite detrimental to, to Roma. I think when I look at the attack, obviously that will always get headlines. It's been what I think has defined Liverpool's season. Um, for, for me personally, I think the other thing to keep an eye on is, is firstly the quick start because... Liverpool, especially Anfield in the Champions League, are very quick starters. They tend to have more shots in the first half, on average, in the Champions League than the second half. And I think if you even just look at at their game there against Man City, they had kind of punctured the tie completely from Man City's perspective by the time half-time rolled around. And I think at the same time, one thing that has sort of impressed me looking at those Man City games spe- specifically, because they're kind of the, the biggest wins I can think of in Liverpool's season, um, is that Alex oxlade chamberlain for for all of the the criticism that he received for all of the claims of being overhyped when he moved to Liverpool for for £35 million, is very good now, I think, at making those bursting runs through the middle, at timing his runs, but then also picking out the right option, whether it's a pass to Salah at the weekend against West Brom, or just finding the net himself and, and scoring as he did against Man City. I think that, for me, is something I would want to watch. I know we, we've talked about De Rossi, and if, If it's likely that he may be that holder, I would really worry about him being able to keep up with with Chamberlain if he bursts through in that same way, because then he's potentially got a free run on on the back line, whether it's three man, four man, whatever. And that, for me, would would be a concern, I think, if I'm Roma.
0: Yeah, I I agree. And to sort of touch upon what what you just said a moment ago, you and I were discussing at length a little bit, that I'll see. we saw what d Francesco was able to do um from a tactical standpoint against barcelona if you were if if you were him if you know if you could put on his shoes what from a tactical standpoint, how would you approach liverpool um i I know you mentioned earlier the set pieces um but if you were him particularly in this first leg, how would you go about it? would you want to be a little riskier um or would you sort of want to tighten things up, have a nice balance of the team um, and uh, sort of just um, do a little more, quote unquote, damage control is to make sure in the second leg you at least give yourself an opportunity? How, how would you approach this first leg?
1: Well, I've, I've, I've thought about this for, for quite, a, quite a while now because I think it, it does present very polarizing options um i think for me personally i think almost you have to to clog up that final third because i look at the teams that have, have stifled liverpool this season and it's tended to be the minnows. it's tended to be teams that that um that you would maybe expect them on paper to beat quite comfortably i look at very earlier in the season rafa benitez when he came up against them he really shut down the space he really frustrated them and I mean, credit to them. Philippe Coutinho scored a, a truly fantastic goal from range. But there was such a, a stifled approach to, to Liverpool. You could see they didn't quite know how to, to make space when it wasn't there. And I think while the temptation might be to go out and, and try and challenge Liverpool, I just worry that if you trade punches like that, you could very easily end up being knocked out after half an hour or thirty five minutes. Whereas mm-hmm. I think if, if, if you can potentially use some of the pace, I know that the you know, Roma aren't blessed with tremendous pace in the final, so at least I don't consider Nainggolan or El Sharawi the, the fastest. Maybe if someone like Bruno Perez could could use his pace, and I'm thinking more because I know he casts a very divided opinion for, for, for Roma fans. I think back to his Torino days when he would really carry the ball. There was a game against Juventus that, that springs to mind. That kind of, of thing with a quick, quick transition and almost expose Liverpool to what they've done to so many of the, the big teams that they've taken scouts from, that I think could be could be very beneficial because the more the game becomes open, that's where I get slightly concerned that someone like Fazio can become isolated. And I think he's done tremendously well to sort of fix his career in, in Serie A and, and regain form and confidence. But the one thing I remember him from his time in England was that when he was isolated, that was when his lack of pace really sort of showed itself and, and mm-hmm. really looked like a huge weakness and i think yes they'll, they'll notice a lot inside out obviously um but i think you can know everything about a player but it doesn't stop the fact that if he's running right. at or right. um on his own down that left-hand side or what have you that you know all the instructions in the world aren't really going to help a, a decision that has to be made there about which way he's going to go and, and how you stop him
0: I, I agree. And you and I also touched upon, uh, just real real quickly here,
1: um, whether
0: Roma should perhaps go go back to that three, three men at the back system. Is that something that you would implement if you were Di Francesco, go back to sort of a similar approach as Roma did in the uh, second leg against Barcelona? just based upon what you said i know you mentioned giving uh, bruno no a, a little bit of room to roam going forward um uh, knowing that though do you think that might leave roma a little too open at the back
1: well i i think this is an interesting thing obviously you have under on the bench who or usually on the bench i should say who who could possibly give you that injection of pace i know that might be a big call to 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 start him but i think i looked at the the game between Liverpool and Chelsea earlier in the season, the, the Conte game. And he did start three at the back, and it was almost an identical to 3-5-2. The only difference, really, was that Eden Hazard floated behind Alvaro Morata and essentially worked around him as, as his focal point. Um, I, I don't know how Roma could possibly adapt to that. I don't know if El Shirawi is, is really best suited to, to that kind of floating role. Um, he's always struck me as an inside forward from when I've seen him. Uh, granted that's that, that's going back a, a decent amount of time now um, sure. but I think the the three five two, what it does it gives you the ability to transition quickly but I also think it gives you a lot of defensive structure and stability as well it allows you to close off space in your own half much easier than if you have a back four um, playing because hypothetically if you commit a full back forward then it means theoretically one of those centre backs that we talked about is left Potentially isolated against the three, and and I think it just facilitates um, the potential to be outnumbered at the back much easier than than if you've got that back three, and and you can almost adapt your your wing backs or, or wingers midfielders whatever tag you want to give them, dependent on how the game is going. I've seen Conte do that a number of times with um, Alonso and, and Moses, where if they're having a tough ten minutes, they'll sit a bit deeper, they'll contribute more defensively, they'll not look to get past the halfway line. Whereas if the other team's tiring and there's space to be exploited, that's usually when they'll push into high gear and Moses in particular, who has amazing stamina, will really push into that final third. Now, I can't claim to know with, with great insight as to whether um Di Francesco could produce the same kind of fluency with the players that he's got. But I think just given the way that it, it worked against Barcelona, it seems to me at least, illogical to go with that same thing and, and almost try to stifle Salah in the same way that they, they did with Messi.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. Um now last question for you. Um I, I promise not to hold you to this, but how do you see this first like playing out? And then perhaps just how do you envision the overall the overall tie um happening? <laughs>
1: Well, this is the the $64 million question. Um, Personally, I I see the first leg perhaps going 2-1 to Liverpool. Um, I think that they will probably start quick, um, but I think Roma will be more self-aware to that than Manchester City was, which sounds bizarre to say, given City had played at Anfield already and, and almost seen a similar kind of, light switch turn on um after the the second half um i think they can score at, at anfield um it's the, the the thing that i find so difficult in predicting this is, is that second leg because it's in rome because of what we've just seen in the previous round that again i i remember writing you know this gun and dusted and it clearly wasn't and they summoned so much from it and adapted so much and it makes me question whether if Francesco maybe will learn a lot of lessons from the first leg in the same way they did with Barcelona and adapt accordingly. My head has kind of said possibly Roma takes it in the second leg um, on that same kind of aggregate ruling again. So I, for some reason in my mind, 3-3 three, three is jumping out. So maybe a 2-1 in the first leg, um, a 2-1 in the second leg, and then maybe Roma taking on penalties or something like that
0: they that a very diplomatic answer. Um, again, Kristen did everybody. You can find him on Twitter at K-H-E-N-E-A-G-E. Kristen, thanks so much again for joining us. Really, really, really appreciate it.
1: An absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you.